If you are just getting started with the NGSS and 3D teaching, I want to invite you to check out Bring Wonder Back, an on-demand video series designed to help you understand why moving through the textbook and teaching topics is actually crushing your students' curiosity and what you can do instead. It's going to help you shift the work of learning where it belongs by building your understanding of explorations and discovery-based teaching practices. And finally, I'm going to help you take the first steps toward transforming your students into scientists through 3D learning, which is really what the NGS is all about. You can access this video series at iExploreScience/wonder and get ready to bring wonder engagement and a love for learning back to your science class. All right, to the show. Welcome to the Teaching Science in 3D podcast. My name is Nicole Van Tassel. And I'm Erin Sadler. And we are two science teachers dedicated to helping you cut through the confusion and meet the intent of the NGSS so you can master all three dimensions. The NGSS can seem totally overwhelming, but implementing these standards doesn't need to be. Hey guys, this is Nicole Van Tassel with I Explore Science, and I'm here with... Erin Sadler from Sadler Science. Um, and... Thanks for joining us today for the Teaching Science in 3D podcast. We are going to be talking about the explanation or meaning making or like sense making phase of learning today. So I'm excited. I've had some questions about this from some of the teachers that I work with. Um, and I know, well, let's just dive in. <laughs> so I guess, Erin, I like, I wanted, I thought it would be good to start talking about how how we did this phase before or like the role of this phase in our instruction, maybe before we started using the NGSS. So, I mean, I know how I did it, but do you want to, I don't know, kind of start with your experience? Oh, sure. Definitely. I, um, I think that when I started using like this explanation piece that first of all, I, I started with it rather than, um, then having it be like in the middle of my lesson sequence, I started with like lecture notes, front loading vocabulary. I, um, sometimes we would watch a video, things like that, where, um, the explanation piece came first and it was all coming from me or from another source. Yes. I, I was the same way. I, you know, we, we'd always talk about like, you have to have that hook in your lesson and like ironically the hook wasn't a hook at all because it was typically like an explanation maybe it was a fun fact maybe it was a trivia thing maybe it was this weird thing that happened but I'm going to explain it to you and for some reason that's going to make you interested when like there's tons of research that says as soon as you have the explanation you don't really care anymore <laughs> um so I was the same way I like would start my units with exploration. And honestly, that was the bulk or I'm sorry, explanation, not exploration. That was really the bulk of my units. It was pretty much me. I mean, my lessons were me or like you said, another source, maybe it was a textbook, maybe it was a video. Um, maybe it was little activity cards or something, whatever, giving the information to students and then the activities and the stuff that I was like, Oh, this is fun. It's a game. It's a project, whatever that came afterward. But it was still just kind of the same reiteration of that I, I told you, and now I'm going to tell you again, or I'm just going to have you repeat it back to me in this project or in this activity or whatever. And then that was pretty much my lesson. 
Or like those confirmation style labs that just reiterate the things that you always already said. So it's just like, it's you telling them again and again and again and again. And we used to like, I think I've mentioned this before. We used to call it like drill and kill. Like you tell them over and over and over again so that they memorize it. Exactly. Yeah. And there, for sure, there's a place for memorizing things. You know, it's helpful to have your multiplication facts memorized so that you can do, you know, fluent math and all that. But for these big concepts and big ideas, I mean, with the NGSS, our goal is moving not and moving away from, I'm going to tell you that big idea to, I'm going to allow you to figure that big idea out yourself using, you know, whatever data or explore at labs or models or whatever that, you know, we're working with. Um, and really that's the best way to get to that deeper kind of conceptual level understanding that we want our students to, to be at. But I, I think that one of the reasons that people aren't doing this in their classroom is that so is that once you've done that like exploration piece I think that a lot of teachers feel afraid that that they're just going to have all these ideas and that it's not going to be like <laughs> very concrete and that yeah. it's just going to be like you know a big jumble of information so yeah. so one of the things that we wanted to talk about today was how to go from that like all of those ideas that students are processing to like having a, a more concrete explanation of what's happening without necessarily like lecturing. Yes, exactly. And that is the thing with exploration. It's, it is messy. It's kind of jumbled. There is that fear that, well, what if my students walk away with the wrong idea or, you know, are going to, yeah, just get to the wrong thing or not get to anything, you know, thing at all. Um, but that's where the, this explanation and this meaning making comes in. And that's why it's valuable because without it, exploration is kind of just like, I maybe figure stuff out, but I don't know what I figured out. Um, but like you said, we can do that without just reverting back to, okay, you did the exploration. Now here's the PowerPoint, right? We don't want exactly. to do that. Exactly. So yeah. how did you typically, how have you typically kind of phased into this explanation phase. And I were using the word explanation. I just want to like kind of throw out there a lot of the way I think about how students move through learning is like the five E model, like exploration and, and explanation and, you know, elaboration is practice and all that. But these are just general kind of, I guess, steps in learning that whether using the five E or not, you still have to do some sort of meaning making or sense making after an exploration. So if you're not using the five E and you're just like, oh, explanation, that's five E, that's not me. Like this is still gonna be valuable to you. So I just wanna throw that out there. Yeah, for sure. I also just kind of wanna like throw back to one of our episodes from I think season one, when we talked about the five E model and how you talked about breaking into two pieces. Like the first piece is where the students explain and then the second piece is where you kind of help them wrap it up. So um, one of the things that I have started doing is giving students some sort of structured way to tie what they've learned to a cross cutting concept. Um, for example, like I have graphic organizers that I use again and again and again, mm -hmm. and I have the students fill out the graphic organizer, like to the best of their ability to start. Then we kind of go over it as a class and then we work on filling out the rest of it together to kind of make those ideas more concrete. Um, so is that something that you do like, um, during, are you giving them this organizer during the exploration or is it still after the exploration has wrapped up? I do it after the exploration has wrapped up just because I feel like um, 
like there's too many things happening if I am, you know, like giving them an additional piece of paper, an additional thing to think yeah. about, especially um, like since I'm teaching virtually right now, we really only can accomplish like one thing at a time. Yeah. Yeah. Also the exploration and the explanation kind of overlap, but I think that in the, in the ex- exploration piece, it's a little bit more messy and a little bit less well-constructed. So that's why I like to add that graphic organizer in a little bit later. Now for your explorations, though, and we're not going to go too much into exploration, but I always kind of think of meaning making as starting like a little bit, it's starting during exploration as they are looking for connections and making their observations and all of that. So I've always given them some sort of like organizer or questions or something like that to kind of focus their attention during the exploration. Do you do something like that? Yeah. And then this yeah, is like they have their notes from the exploration or their graphic organizer or whatever. And now they're coming to the cross cutting concept organizer to like synthesize it, to put it together. Right. Yeah. Kind of- yeah. I think ugh, I'm trying to think of like how, like generally I do this and I think kind of more generally in the um, exploration, I'm more focused on that science and engineering practice okay. more so than the cross cutting concepts. So like a lot of the, the graphic organizer piece would be more centered on the science and engineering practice. But I think that that is not always the case for sure. You know, like it's more um, like sometimes it is just, you know, questions like, what do you, what are the things that you notice here? You know, something. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Um, Okay. So then you start with like the cross-cutting concepts and then, sorry. So then your process was kind of like giving them a chance to process it on their own individually, like writing down whatever they can answer and then talking about it together, like following up with together. Yeah. Yeah. And looking at, so like looking at those subcomponents of the cross-cutting concepts and seeing like which pieces that they can make a connection to. Like, um, so for example, let me try to provide a more concrete example because it's really like vague. So Um, so maybe we are looking at a set of data and there is, um, like there is, they notice in the data that the data is like trending upward. Okay. So, um, so then I might say, okay, what is the relationship? Like, is there a cause and effect relationship? And then they could explain like the relationship between the variables or something like that. Okay. Awesome. Okay. Um, so I, what I have like typically done is like I said, I I would, they would get some sort of thing during the exploration. And for me, that was always the starting point for like an explanation or meaning making discussion. So I would pretty much start with going through a review of some of those questions and the questions that would be on there would be some are like super basic level, like where on the map do you see XYZ? Like just to make sure they can read the map or read that, you know, what is this line telling you or whatever on the data set? Um, But then it's like, you know, looking for the patterns here or um, like what evidence, you know, do you have that supports this statement or what connection do you see between this or that? And so I kind of structured those, the exploration questions as like the beginning of our meaning making and the same questions that I want to talk about as a class. Mm -hmm. So it would be like, you know, they're doing it individually or like maybe in small groups, but then we come back together as a whole class and go over that whole process together. And then we would start kind of working in notebooks at that point where maybe pulling out like what's the most important evidence that you saw or 
you know, we've reached a consensus that this is happening at, you know, this plate boundary, where from your observations, you know, did you see like what evidence do you have in your observations from the exploration that supports this consensus that we came to and like logging that kind of thing, mm-hmm. like those kind of things. Yeah. Yeah. So I think cool. also, I don't know. So I think sometimes also I have students like we use modeling a lot in this phase. Like, um, so, you know, like you saw stuff, we answer these questions. So like, can you create a model that shows what you think is happening at this yeah. point? Yeah. Yeah, I think that is really, really important. Uh, I can't remember. I was reading something the other day and it was talking about how, oh, it was, yeah, it was a book. Um, so it was talking about how there's like these different studies where they have asked st- like young, like younger children, preschool and early elementary children, um, age children um, to like they would give them a box and they would either, and it's like a gadget kind of thing, a weird experimental box. like, um, And they would show the kids how it worked. So it's like, if you do this, it moves this gear and then it moves to the next thing or whatever. And they would ask this kids to either ex- describe how it looked or describe how it worked. And then they would give them the pieces of the box and they would ask the kids to put it together. And the ones who described how it looked, maybe put like the ornamental kind of pieces on the box in the right spot. Like they knew that this Lego piece connected here, but the Lego piece didn't do anything. So they basically could not put together a working box where the ones who actually actually described how it worked or how they thought it worked. Cause it wasn't like, effort. this is, they watched it and they, mm-hmm. this is how I think it works. They're the ones who really fo- like were, able to put the box back together and actually find the like causal mechanisms and all of that in this box. So that really got me thinking like how we do, I notice and I wonder a lot at the beginning of our units. Mm -hmm. Um, And even in this phase of our learning, you know, we might have them describe what they see and what they Think, but we really also maybe need to be adding in that component of describing what you think happened. Like, even if you're not right at this point, what do you think is happening? Because even doing it at the beginning of the unit can kind of focus their attention on searching for that understanding, that causal mechanism, whatever, you know, that pattern that explains why it's happening or how it's happening. But even at this point in your learning, you're when students are explaining what they think hap- happened and not just what they see or kind of the surface level, I think that helps with retention too. Like for sure. It would help with retention. For sure. Definitely. Anytime that you're, you're making a connection and that you are explaining or like anytime that you're adding in another layer, it's helping with that retention piece so much. Yes. Yeah. And that's honestly such a good um, opportunity too to get students talking to each other about what they think happened, you know, what they think happens or happened or whatever. Um, Cause like, as you said, before we started recording, you know, whoever's doing the talking is the one doing the learning. So if our students, if we're the one explain, if we're the ones explaining how it's working, but they're not explaining it, or they're not talking about those ideas, how much learning have they really done? Definitely. I also, I think it's such a good thing for them to be able to just like see that other people have other ideas, you know, like, yeah. and help them. I, I just feel like it like rounds out their thinking a little bit to, you know, hear what other people are yeah. thinking and then either going, oh yeah, that's, that seems right. Or no, that doesn't seem right because I also, I saw this, which would refute this. Yeah. So 
so it's almost like bringing in that argumentation piece without like actually like structured argumentation. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think also it helped, it can really help some students to hear ideas from their peers as opposed to from, you know, a teacher, like, you know, there's, there are some students that, you no matter what you do, you just might struggle to connect with, but Mm -hmm. if they can hear the same ideas from their peers who maybe they are connecting with on a, on a better level or something like that, they can be learning from each other. It doesn't all have to be from you. I think we think in our classroom, everything has to be learned from us. And if they're not learning it from us, we're not doing our job, but we can also remember that it's not all, it's not all on us. Like, you know, we can create this community of learners instead. Absolutely. I know we have, um, at my school, we have, you know, like very few teachers in each subject, but we have like three math teachers. And I always tell the kids, like, if you don't understand the way that this math teacher is, is explaining it, like, why don't you go over and ask this math teacher or ask me, (laughs) you know, because it's not that they don't know how to teach math. It's that the way that they're explaining it to you is just not connecting with your brain. So maybe if you slightly different way, it will totally connect. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That is so 100% true. Yeah. Um, what are like some maybe concrete activities that you, or just maybe concrete, um, any other like practical things that we could include of, of like ways we bring in this like explanation without just reverting to that teaching as telling this is how it is kind of approach. So we've talked about like maybe bringing in the cross-cutting concepts. And I should probably say too, I don't like, I don't think that you're done with that cross-cutting concept there. I think you should bring it back in later. Um, That we talked a little bit about modeling. We talked about like argumentation is a really great way to do that. Um, I'm trying to think of like other things that I do because it's, um, because those are the ones that I've been hitting on pretty hard. Um, But yeah, Um, I I did modeling like, my note, my like students notebooks were a lot of, you know, like drawing a picture to explain what we saw or what we think happened. And then like using captions to explain it. Like, I mean, that's modeling. It doesn't have to be like a 3d thing. Yeah. Um, uh, bringing in that, I think, I think also it is. So I, I also think it's important to say here, um, after students have like come to the big idea through these discussions and through the modeling and all of that, there's nothing wrong with showing a video that gives more information or that repeats and expands on the concepts or that shows it in a different context. Like maybe you give them a tech, like they explored a um, Savannah ecosystem and now they're going to read a text about how those same processes and those same like systems and model, you know, this, the ecosystem model happens in the Arctic ecosystem. Um, you know, so we can bring in some of those things, those same ways that we were teaching in the past here, because it's good. For, it is good for students to repeat things and to see it again and to see it in different contexts. I think the way that maybe you make it not so much teaching as telling is that, I mean, first of all, they're the ones that originally created those ideas um, through and through your discussion and all that. And I think when you get that information, you have them actively combine it with what they already learned. So like you're looking at this Arctic ecosystem in a news article or a textbook or whatever, and you think about like, how do those different, how do, how does what you're seeing in this Arctic ecosystem connect to what you saw in that Savannah ecosystem or something? So they're still having to like integrate that information into what they've already know, like what they already know, instead of just 
here's more definitions or whatever. Yeah. And I also think that it's so important that you give them the chance to explain first before you're putting like more information out. I think that that's like one of the big things that we were hitting on is, is that, um, is that piece where you're giving students a chance to like show what they've, what they understood before you're bringing in your part, because that also gives you the opportunity to see like, what did they just totally not get, you know, like what, what are the misconceptions that they've developed through this? And Yeah. And a lot of times you can use their language and their, like when, when you will give them a chance to start with it, like, as you said, sometimes people just explain it differently Mm -hmm. and you might have thought, I'm going to use this example and I'm going to explain it that way. But in your discussion with your students, maybe they bring in a different example that works just as well, or a way of a term, a, a way of explaining a concept. So kind of like defining the concept that is still accurate, but maybe is not the exact words you would use, but it seems to connect with those students. Well, why not use the language that they came up with first, you know, calling it a a fizz instead of a spark or something. I don't know. Um, But it might bring to mind different things for them. So you just have that added benefit of using their language and their examples when you give them a chance to talk first, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and we, we should probably wrap up at some point pretty quick, but I also want to just kind of like point out that this is kind of where we should also be integrating that vocabulary piece. Yes. Um, Because I think that a lot of us are still used to vocab coming first and that vocab should really be coming in this explanation piece. Right. And we have a whole podcast episode on that. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm pretty sure. Right. (laughs) Um, and, but the general gist is like the concept has to come before the term. They have to understand the concept without the scientific terminology. Like that doesn't matter at that point. And then you can add the term to their like concept. Mm -hmm. That's like the gist, but there's a whole episode about vocabulary. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I think that like, that really summarizes, I think the, the big shift with explanation, you know, you're starting with those student discussions, you're starting with eliciting their ideas and drawing their models and their explanations. And then you can kind of step in and use those resources that you've used in the past to reinforce and solidify and, and add to, you know, the examples and add the terminology and things like that. Yeah, absolutely. So it it really doesn't have to be complicated. Um, It's actually a pretty, simple phase when you think about it in that Mm -hmm. sense it's mostly just let's let's talk about what you figured out and okay now let me show it to you again in a different format maybe (laughs) yeah I feel like this is the easiest one I feel like figuring out like how you're going to get them to get there is much harder (laughs) I I I did my part you know yes yeah I guess the one tip I would say for like this explanation and meaning making is kind of have your questions that you are going to ask ready um, so that if they get stuck, you know, like what questions can you prompt them to get them to the next idea or get them to see the the connection or whatever. And a lot of that, it happens and you're doing that during the exploration. But when you come together, what questions can you ask to help them put, put it together really? Yeah. Yeah. And, and if you did do that, you're, you're in a good, you're in a good place. <laughs> sure. Awesome. Well, thank you everybody for joining us for today's episode. If you have questions about explanation, please, you know, or sense making, meaning making, whatever you want to call it, just like tag us on Instagram, reach out to us on Facebook, 
shoot us an email um, and we can definitely address those in future podcast episodes. Yeah, we would love to hear from you because um, in all honesty, we're kind of starting to feel like we're running out of stuff to talk about. So we would love to hear your questions. Yeah, I feel like I just say the same things over and over and everybody's going to be like, okay, Nicole, just like, like let the phenomena go. Stop talking about phenomena or stop talking about exploration. And I'm like, but, but that's, that's the key piece. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah. So we'd love your questions basically. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll catch you guys later. Have a good one. See you later. Bye. (laughs) Making sure that your lessons are three-dimensional isn't always easy. While you don't need to include all three dimensions every single day, you do want to make sure that each dimension is regularly addressed. I developed a really simple 3D planner to help keep me focused. It helps me track which pieces I'm using in my daily lesson plans. It only takes me five minutes to fill out, and it helps me notice patterns in my own lesson planning. For example, when I first started using it, I noticed I wasn't including the cross-cutting concepts as often as I thought I was. Just by recognizing this, I was able to focus on this one piece and improve my lessons. Right now, you can grab the same template that I use for my own planning for free. Go to sadlerscience.com slash 3D planner to grab yours. That's sadlerscience.com slash 3D planner.